यू आर लिसनिंग टू अमिंट प्रोडक्शन प्रॉट यू बाय एच टी स्मार्ट कास्ट petri for uh, as long as we've been speaking the one question that always comes up for every budget is the disinvestment target and the disinvestment ambition uh, <laughs> again this one has been a miss uh, perhaps 2020 was one of their worst years in terms of you know hitting the market and raising proceeds how are you feeling about this year there are very big names out there india bpcl potentially lic do you think it's going to happen well <clears throat> i don't know and i suspect neither does the fm or neither do the bankers uh, working on that this is a difficult environment in which to pull off these transactions i think actually the harsh reality when we use the word disinvestment is that we've run out of things to disinvest right because you've brought the stake down to 51% in pretty much most of the large companies where you could so really the only way forward now is to privatize Um, and i think over there i'm glad to see you know be it bpcl uh, be it uh, uh, you know air india clearly the government is now willing to privatize which not only means you bring in the revenue but you also don't have to provide future capital going ahead so to my mind you know divestment as a story is now behind us the government has already bitten the bullet thankfully so on privatization we just need to see the execution you know take place there more aggressively i i, I don't think disinvestment is a story anymore in india everything that could have been brought down to 51% it's already been done i think there's only one other small story uh, which is of course the fact that there are many global investors looking for yield and annuity assets i think the government is experimenting the private sector is also experimenting that can you take completed assets convert them into yield assets for foreign investors release the capital that's blocked in those assets and use that to drive another wave of capex so they are talking about this in sectors like you know power distribution and highways but that could be a you know interesting sort of solution to two problems uh, one absorb lot of this uh, you know foreign capital that wants to come in and secondly remember that ppp as a model for infrastructure is now broken nobody even talks about it anymore so the sovereign will have to take on the role of the risk during project execution the land the environment the financing risk get it to you know the stage where it's an operating asset and that will be i think the best contribution the sovereign can make uh, to uh, you know capex and driving uh, uh, you know infrastructure investment nilkan same question to you uh, what do you reasonably expect on privatization stroke disinvestment see i think uh, more than just the uh, the annual target right so the annual target as we know uh, despite all the political commitment that the government has uh, so the government you know uh, could have privatized bpcl for example in 2016 itself which it has still not happened so the political commitment is there there is clearly some bottleneck in the process which has prevented these uh, things from happening so it would be more interesting to see a change in process a change in approach and also perhaps a medium term target where the government uh, lays out that these are not things that you kind of put it out in the budget and then 6 months no one follows up and then towards the end of the year there is a rush or even the trickle feed disinvestment as, as we were saying you know the fact is that uh, the the one of the reasons 
PSU stock share of market cap has collapsed is also that the uh, the government keeps uh, you know doing a, a trickle feed of stock supply so more strategic approach more of a medium term approach more of a change in in how the government approaches this investment uh, is something that would be perhaps uh, a, a lot more supportive to the market now coming to uh, a, a, an associated question and i think uh, uh, we need to think about it as well as we discuss the range of issues that we have already discussed is the is what is it that the bond market or what is it that the market really look at i think eventually what matters is debt sustainability and achieving debt sustainability by just cutting expenditure or looking at the numerator which is the debt level uh, uh, is i think uh, unwise it is equally important that we look at the denominator as well i mean how do we get growth back See the very fact that uh, you know 85-90% of government spending is non-discretionary at the union government level suggests that the government cannot really cut expenditure. Right? Can you cut interest? Can you cut salaries? Can you cut defense spending? Can you cut uh, narega, which is actually a social safety net? You cannot, and therefore you need to grow out of this problem. Just cutting spending is not the issue. So I think steps that revive growth, and if the funds from for reviving growth. Uh, say for building infrastructure, if the government just you know reshapes its balance sheet, what is the need? See, maybe when 50 years back, when the economy was still a low per capita GDP uh, poor economy, there was no way you could form capital to say set up a steel authority or an NMDC or a Hindustan Copper. Uh, uh, and now there is no need for the government to be in these sectors because the capital formation has happened. I think they can exit, but. Now you need, uh, as we've discussed earlier in this call, uh, an ur urban safety net, right? So uh, if there is someone in the cities who's lost a job, how do they feed themselves? Uh, if you have a problem uh, with the healthcare infrastructure, I mean, why is it that, you know, uh, the, the government share of healthcare in terms of infra uh, personnel is only 15, 20%. And in the first wave of the pandemic, the private sector was just shut down. So we actually lost healthcare capacity when we needed it most. How do we address some of those problems? And I think those are incredibly important uh, questions that if the budget can answer will be very helpful because that will then show the path for growth sustainability. And I must say that I disagree uh, slightly with, with, with Ranjul on the medium term growth. I think that some of the steps that have been taken, like say the PLI schemes, uh, some of the monetary easing that we have seen, the revival that we are seeing in urban real estate markets, I think the medium-term growth trajectory is also already looking up. Let me ask you this, Neelkant. Uh, you know, on your point about the distress that has happened at a certain level, it seems like we've settled on an alphabet now in terms of what the recovery looks like and it's K-shaped. Uh, is it a possibility that the stock market continues to rally if indeed we are set up for a K-shaped uh, economic recovery? And that happens without the basis of a very broad economic recovery below? Because even in the corporate numbers, the numbers are good because of cost cutting, you know, just to take the point you were making about the, the government itself. Can that be a possibility that the broader economy continues to struggle, but at the top you have, uh, you know, the financial market, which actually does pretty well? You know, uh, I, I, I just uh, uh, recently read uh, a, a piece by another commentator at the global level. Uh, so apparently when Kennedy was asked, uh, about the Great Depression. So Kennedy, as you know, came from a very rich family. 
JFK that is. Uh, and uh, so he was asked, what do you think about the Great Depression? He said, you know, I never knew about the Great Depression till I went to Harvard and I read about it. Uh, uh, my only experience was that when my father hired some gardeners, when we didn't need any gardeners, just because he wanted to keep them alive. Um, so, so it can be totally disconnected. Um, see, the reality is that if the formal the formalization process accelerates, which I think it has done, and uh, the bottom 50% consumes more or less the same as the top 10% of the economy. And the bottom 50% of the economy, there is very little discretionary spending, right? So they eat, they buy those two clothes a year, they spend basic stuff on telecom, uh, repair their houses when it's broken, and basic education. But so what can they cut? So inequality is a social and a political problem, right? And uh, uh, at least for in the near term, of course, social and political problems will cause economic stresses and policy shifts. But in the near term, they actually uh, do not impact reported earnings. And the market in India in particular, where you know the market and the economy are totally disconnected, well, to a large extent disconnected, uh, I think this inequality can keep worsening and the market can keep going up. So that can happen very much. That's a sobering thought indeed. Uh Shiva, you know, I want to talk to you about the banking space. I mean, not not clearly your mandate, I know, but there's so much expectation on what happens for the banking system, whether it is a fresh round of liquidity, whether it is setting up a DFI, a bad bank, much of this has been considered. Um, are you expecting to see something along those lines? There is obviously some uh, there is obviously some kind of discussion on this which keeps coming every year or every other year that we'll come up with some new uh, 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 way to absorb uh, non-performing loans of the banking system, etc. I'm not really sure if it is really necessary. So I do believe that uh, you know this is the if on the on the one hand you know we do uh, uh, need banking capital to be sure, right? Uh, but Growth capital is available at plenty, right? so we just need a way to handle perhaps some of these public sector banks. Uh, you know, a way to wind down their uh, uh, balance sheet. In a sense, you know, the Indian uh, banking system is getting privatized, but not by sale of assets, but rather by the share of the private sector essentially growing much faster, and therefore eventually the public sector is becoming a much less relevant uh, percentage of the total banking system. If that continues, then I think, uh, I think this will. This will no longer be a problem. Uh, the core comes down to the fact that growing banks get access to as much capital as they want. So fundamentally, I think the banking system's role is to really support growth, and I think that is not going to be a challenge. Uh, so, so I don't think we uh, we need uh, a national bad bank. But having said that, you know, is it one of those things that can happen? It can, it could happen. Uh, we don't need it, but we probably we could, we could still uh, we could still see it. Uh, so so. It, but we still need some of these regulatory forbearance. I think your passing mention was made, you know, about how regulatory we have sort of eased the rules so as not to report high NPLs in a crisis year. So it's possible that we may yet recognize some of these uh, stresses of the current pandemic in the maybe in the next couple of years. We saw that in previous cycles also. So it's possible that you know the RBI may want to sort of calibrate that exit from the current forbearance in a way that future year profits are sufficient to take care of uh, you know. Uh, uh, so we say staggered losses from the from the past year. So I think there are ways that we can get around this problem of marking uh, uh, non-performing loans uh, over a period of time. 
uh, let me also take this opportunity to go back to the last question you asked about the k-shaped or the two-track uh, kind of system and the formalization etc this is super critical especially from a financial markets perspective whether you look at debt or equity markets when you look at the kind of capital market instruments right whether that's equity or whether that is bonds really speaking we're talking about the top few hundred companies in india they are the ones who access equity markets they are the ones who access bond markets so the fact that you have a sort of twin track where with with high formalization the large companies taking share partially explains why profitability in those entities whether they are credit issuers or whether they are equity listed uh, companies have outperformed the uh, macro so in a sense you know the disconnect between uh, mark equity market performance or bond market performance and macro can be explained by the fact that macro is not important what matters is the performance of the companies in the sectors and the segments that you are looking at and those companies have done really well so the question really is is how do we get the other part of the economy the you know so the remaining 50% of the economy to also do well you can't lift up the economy by by let's say increasing the taxes on the top and the uh, redistribution because yeah, both they will yes they will. i don't think that will net increase necessarily the, the so got to find out some ways of actually enabling the rest of the economy to grow as fast as the largest economies uh, largest companies are doing and and that will also solve as nilkant was mentioning the problem of uh, debt sustainability i mean you need uh, the denominator to grow faster i think the denominator can grow faster uh, but but they need to find some uh, ways of sort of leaving more money in the hands of a lot of people uh, whether that is through transfers lower taxes etc that's the choice for the government to make pranjul uh, you know it's a bad bank issue it seems like keen on pumping in direct uh, you know capital to this perhaps they will set up an spd again with you know the dfi one part of the community says look that's not what we need we need better clearances while the other side says infrastructure needs a dfi what do you expect to see in terms of you know reworking the financial architecture or supporting the financial architecture you know i i do think that the government is looking at this budget as a blank slate you know we've been hit by a pandemic it's a blank slate we have to rebuild this economy from here how do we do it and whenever you're thinking like that you want to sort of you know set up some new institutions and that's why you know the conversation on bad bank bfis and all are you know coming back at at this point my sense is even if something is announced uh, in the budget uh, at this point it will be mostly exploratory you know setting up a committee which thinks about if we do get a dfi what role could that play because you know a lot of people believe that you know it's it's not useful anymore it was useful at a time in india's financial markets were not deep on the other hand some other people think that it is useful because there's a lot of new things it can do uh, you know and and some other countries like china have, have have showed us that so you know i think at this point it will be just sort of like a committee set up i don't sort of see something rolling off the ground immediately so uh, you know this budget could 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 be a place where some of these ideas are sort of sprout but i'm not sure if all of them uh, will then become successful over time you know it it'll just it, it we'll have to see how it all unfolds but you know actually want to take this opportunity to to comment on this formalization uh, point which nilkant and uh, uh, siva had made uh, the fact that you know this whole formalization that we've seen in the system in the last year is here to stay and it's going to you know add to growth over the medium term uh, you know i just wanted to sound a word of caution there uh, because if we also look at what had happened during demonetization uh, in the de demonetization months there was a huge amount of formalization we saw and we actually saw corporate results increasing and we saw equity markets were on fire but one year down the line 
uh, some of this formalization, or in fact, all of it at that point did not stick. Uh, and then, you know, things were back to normal. Now, I do think this time is different from demonetization. I do think because, you know, the pandemic has lasted for so much longer, uh, there has been some huge shifts of demand. So, you know, some of the formalization could stick, but I'm not sure if all of it will stick because the ecosystem that was supporting informality in the last couple of couple of years hasn't really changed. So at some point, informal firms could come back and then, you know, you could see the impact on corporate results of listed firms and then things may not look that exciting. Uh, I think one way to think about it is that, look, there has been forced formalization in the system. You know, there has been an iron hand of the pandemic that has led to formalization. But now, how can we actually make it more organic? How can we actually support the informal sector and push them towards formality? And one way of doing that is actually ease the regulatory environment and informal in which informal sectors function. So they are forced or naturally pushed towards formality rather than forced to die. Uh, I think, you know, if this support comes in the budget, uh, some sort of longer term thinking on how do informal firms over time become formal in a very organic way rather than in a forced way, uh, I think that sort of formality will stick for longer. And I think this is something the equity markets should sort of think about carefully, that all of the formalization we've seen in 2020, what part of it is going to stick and what part of it is just going to fade away. I'm not sure what the equity market is thinking right now, Pranjul, but it's just been such a hell of a ride that I think they haven't been thinking much lately. Uh, Vetri, you know, just to get down to the nitty gritty of it, uh, this is also the golden uh, goose that is laying the golden eggs, the stock market. You mentioned and touched upon taxes right at the start of this conversation. So let me just, you know, quickly circle that one. Do you expect to see any changes in that regard? STT, some tweaks on LTCG, could there be a wealth tax uh, as, you know, the chatter is about? On taxation, do you expect to see anything? <clears throat> well, I certainly hope not. Um, I don't think there is a reason at this point of time to really tinker with any of the architecture. I know most people talk about doing away with long-term capital gains on equity, reducing STT. I mean, I think these are still questions about the right architecture and they can continue. I don't see a pressing need for these to be addressed in the current budget. So I'm not really looking at this, you know, doing anything significant. Uh, I would just go back to, you know, two, three things, which from my point of view are really the tactics that government needs to bring uh, to measure in this budget. You know, uh, when you look at the early part of the pandemic, the government saw GST revenues not coming in. Uh, they did a smart thing when fuel prices collapsed to, you know, actually sub-zero by taking up the indirect taxes on fuel quite dramatically. Uh, honestly, I don't think there is a strong reason for that to continue, given that you've now got GST revenues coming back in and the economy is having to deal with lifetime highs in fuel prices. You know, so if there's one easy way of putting it back in people's pockets, I think that's an easy way to go. Um, I think the other thing that the government could... Uh, which they're already doing, right? Because look at it this way. <clears throat> You've already given corporate India a 15% tax rate on new investments. There's a 25% tax rate that you know they're now getting the benefit of. You're spending 2 lakh crores, which is nothing but a subsidy for setting up manufacturing in India through the guise of uh, you know PLI, which is a very well-designed scheme, but it's a huge manufacturing subsidy. Uh, and then you've got record low interest rates. 
I mean, I cannot imagine any environment in which an entrepreneur is not going to feel positive, particularly when they are seeing that they are coming out of this, you know, crisis, so to speak, stronger with profitability. So I'm quite optimistic that for the first time in many years, corporate India looking at all of this, the cost of capital, the taxes, the subsidy for PLI, and all these other factors is actually going to be quite excited about, you know, putting CapEx in the ground. If there's one place the government can add some uh, measures, I believe it's actually in real estate. Uh, remember, real estate has been in a downturn almost for about five or maybe six years now. Uh, it's a significant part of capital formation in India. The biggest chunk of household capex goes into real estate. With these record low interest rates, if you actually provide a break to individuals on housing, I don't see any reason why that can be a significant driver of the capex cycle. And I genuinely believe the actions of those home buyers with the entrepreneurs who you know, develop properties. And given that there's been a dramatic shakeout of the supply side, thanks to RERA and all the other changes, you can actually get a high quality real estate cycle going. And you may be able to get that going as a CapEx wave much faster than anything else. So, you know, these are the sort of critical things that I would look for in the budget. And as I said, don't tinker with the capital market taxes. I don't think this is the time for that. Yeah, no, that's a good point. But one waits on for that elusive CapEx cycle, Vetri. It seemed like it would come with the last time the corporate taxes were cut, but uh, no such luck. Uh, Nilkant, how do you play this tactically? I mean, from the stock market point of view, here we have a market that is bubbling around all-time highs that uh, is extremely expensive, where you have seen very, very solid rallies in spaces like IT, a couple of heavyweights, and it's got this big wave of liquidity that's pushing it. Uh, tactically, how do you approach the market over the next couple of months? So on tactical things, uh, my, uh, uh, I think, sort of value add is generally quite low. If I was um, thinking more six to 12 months, uh, I would I would remain constructive. I know the market is extraordinarily expensive. Uh, it is the nifty price to earnings is three standard deviations above its 10 year average. Um, and uh, it is it is you know at, at, from these levels it is very hard to see uh, you know unless you expect earnings upgrades and given that in the past we've only seen earnings downgrades uh, it seems uh, unlikely that earnings would be upgraded but uh, i think that with or without the budget the fy22 numbers need to be bumped up so if you look at what imf did uh, yesterday uh, so their earlier forecast they were projecting fy22 to be about two and a half percent below FY20, right? Uh, now they are projecting it two and a half percent above FY20. I think that FY22, when when the dust settles, meaning that FY22 is an actual, will be at least five to six percent ahead of FY20. So there is still a meaningful upgrade possible, and you will see that in company earnings because you know generally GDP growth and company earnings don't have much of a correlation, but nominal GDP growth is more or less the starting point for uh, uh, the, for, for a bank's analyst or for an auto's analyst or for any analyst. And as those numbers get bumped up, uh, you will see that the earnings themselves are getting are, are starting to move up. I also think that uh, as clarity emerges on some of these PLI schemes, so right now, these are just schemes that the government has announced, right? Uh, we are now going to see in the next two, three months, the details of, say, the auto PLI, the the 
uh, textile PLI, the food processing PLI. And just like if you saw when the handset PLI was to start, the, the clock starts 1st April, right? And these companies used air shipment to get equipment, uh, old equipment back to India uh, or to, to India to, so that they could meet that, you know, that, that uh, FY22, uh, FY22 target because that's where they, their revenue, under, revenue clock starts. If the other PLIs are starting with FY23 and the details are announced, say, in April, I think people will be in a rush to add capacity. Remember that the PLI schemes require that this be from a new plant. So, uh, so if you have won the, uh, you're one of the winners of the auto PLI, for example, you'll be in a hurry to start this plant. So I do think that capital investment will start. And I totally agree with Vetri that, uh, see, uh, when we think about government intervention, it, it feels very tempting in a PowerPoint presentation or an Excel sheet where you say, okay, so these are rich people, let's take their money and give it to the poor. What's, does the plumbing exist? Will you be able to get that wealth? If you say put a wealth tax, do we have the capability of administering uh, wealth tax, which will generate 10, 20, 50,000 crores? And do we have an economically sensible model for transferring that to the poor? If we don't, then I think we should just work with the normal economic forces. As Vetri was saying, if we just uh, uh, you know create the enabling factors for capex to happen jobs will be created the poor will get pricing power wages will start going up right now with narega uh, demand being 80 percent higher year on year i don't see any services inflation or any of the wage inflation things happening we need much stronger growth for for that to happen this is not to say that the government has no role in social safety and security i think those things have to be created in parallel but as of now, as, as growth is a priority, see, even if we are 6% above FY20 and FY22, we are still 7% below where we would have been, right? So, so it's important for us to catch up on that growth. And, and, and for that, I think just creating an enabling environment and not disrupting with things which in reality don't yield that much tax. See, as you were discussing, if your fiscal deficit goes from 5.2 to 5.6, you get 80,000 crores, right? Uh, or maybe 90,000 crores in this year. And uh, if you apply some surcharge, it'll give you, you know, maybe 10,000 or 20,000 crores and create a lot of goodwill and a lot of angry people and upset people. I think it's much better if the market expects you to do 5.6, go with that. Don't try to get a, a too low fiscal deficit. Just try to prioritize growth right now. Yes, there has been talk of a COVID cess and a defense cess, so lots of chatter around that front. Uh, Shiva, you know, specific figures from you. What kind of lending figure do you think would make your market jittery? And what would you set as a reasonable range for the benchmark bond this year? What are people working with? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, a 5.5% thereabouts on the fiscal deficit implies a borrowing program in the range of 10 to 11 lakh crores. Uh, on a gross basis, uh, net will be about 8 or 9 lakh crores. Uh, that is, I think, what is kind of rising into the market right now. I think the market uh, expects uh, that kind of a borrowing program to go through with some limited support of the RBI. I think that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense. I think if it is substantially above that, and again, we're talking about fairly large swings, maybe if, if it is uh, if it is materially higher, starting to push towards the upper half of five and uh, upper half towards a 6% mark, then I think we are in looking at a significant up move in uh, in bond yields i think the bond market today is is kind of uh, 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 sort of agreeable to a reasonably large borrowing program but it's still going to be difficult 
on the other side i think it will require uh, you know if, if you get a big positive surprise and you're looking at let's say a 5% or below number on the fiscal side i think we can see a small move down so it's not it's, it's kind of uh, asymmetric kind of a move uh, you know if, if you get a, a very contractionary in some sense uh, phase then i think we may see a small rally but i think uh, it's the right thing to do is uh, to go for growth uh, and the market is anyway willing to accept it right now and uh, we may not see a blowout in yields this year completely out of time vetri final word with you um, you know humor me with a market range for the rest of this year and what it is that you expect to see you know beyond the budget because that's what life has always been it's the budget and then life carries on as it must <laughs> i hate to disappoint you mithali but you know i am a lousy forecaster that's 25 years of experience and therefore i try not to address any part of my mind space towards forecasting what it will do but i just want to add to one point that uh, you know i think uh, uh, nilkan made uh, you know it's true the valuations have gone up and you know therefore from a valuation and asset allocation point of view you know we'd have to be cautious about equity but i'd also like to make the point that my own experience in the last 25 years whenever we have seen a strong upcycle in the economy more often than not you actually see the market getting expensive very early in the cycle right because the market is your lead indicator so i'm not saying it doesn't give you a head fake every now and then but therefore i would also say that it is not unusual for the market to get rich early into a cycle and history tells us that when you have a 3 to 5 year you know sort of positive cycle for the economy the earnings growth that can come in that cycle is something the analyst can never capture you know we pour rain on the analyst for not getting their forecast right over the last 6 7 8 years you know, i have been in this market for 25 years 2003 to 2008 every year the analyst said it is going to slow down and it didn't it just kept going so you know it's just the difficulty with forecasting and we need to recognize that when we just look at valuations and take these calls on you know what the market might be. and if i may add to that thank you ajay that was wonderfully spoken i totally agree and and i must say that uh, no one really buys the nifty right i mean people buy stocks and sectors right so they take some interpretation and i think that so far in the equity markets everything has been driven by price to earnings where companies that grow 8 to 10% a year and very stable earnings they have all seen a sharp increase in price to earnings right so it services healthcare consumer staples whereas as the market now starts to price in and starts to get into earnings growth i think it would be preferable to get into sectors where earnings growth is going to be high and earnings upgrades are likely and that would be banks industrials uh, and sectors like that Well, interesting point. I ignore the index by the value stocks. Uh, thank you very much, all of you, for joining in on extremely well-rounded discussion. Just a few days to go now, so let's see where this one ends up. But I appreciate your time and your thoughts today. Thank you. Thank you, Madam. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Please mark us.